Hello, and welcome to the Toddcast. Um, it is Thanksgiving week. Uh, I just finished hitting the grocery for the uh, items that we need to uh, make to contribute to this year's feast. Um, and it was suggested to me by my beautiful and intelligent wife that uh, I could probably do some more food-related uh, episodes. Um based on just conversations that we were having about, you know, this and that and the other thing. Uh, so today, we're going to do that. Um, this is going to be something of a uh, a recipe episode, if you will. Um, and I'm going to tell you how to make a couple of, uh, well, what are, what are sort of a couple of my favorite things. Um, I am not going to elaborate how to make a turkey. Um, that seems... Like a bigger undertaking than I want to do whilst driving home. That seems like maybe not the best plan. Uh, plus, uh, I do it so infrequently these days that, uh, frankly, half the stuff I have to look up myself. Um, how long to thaw it for, how long to cook it for, what temperature to put it at. Like, once I've got those pieces, I can kind of put the rest of it together. You know, I've, I've done it enough, and it's it's pretty fantastic. Um if there's some weird level of demand for that, you let me know um, at ToddCastPodcast at gmail.com or by tweeting me at CastTodd on uh, the Twitter, and I will whip that right up for you. But uh, unless I get some sort of you know request, I'm not going there. Uh, instead, I'm going to go with a couple of uh, just general favorites, not necessarily themed to Thanksgiving. And we will start with the easy one, um, which is a a dessert item. Um, The thing that I call sugar shockers. Um, I honestly couldn't remember what the actual name for this is, um, or really even the origin of the recipe, how these, these came to me. There's a part of my brain that makes me think that when my older sister Dawn was in junior high, she uh, had like a home ec class, and they did this, but that could be a total fabrication of my, you know, aging adult mind. Um, I I had enjoyed these for years on years. I've actually not had these for quite some time, um, mainly due to the grief I feel like I would receive for simply purchasing the components. Um, but I will tell you that they are delightful, um, and it's real easy. I, I know this recipe right off the top of my head because it is essentially four components, um, in more or less equal measure. Um, it is a cup of peanut butter, just whatever peanut butter strikes your fancy. I'm a GIF man. Y'all, you know, Peter Pan it up or go with your store brand. I honestly can't tell you what kind of results you will get from not, um, shall we say, typical commercially available peanut butter. And by that, I mean the all-natural stuff that separates and you got to, you know, stir together. I'm not sure how that works in terms of, you know, the, the delightful chemical reactions that take place to make this thing happen. Uh, you can try it if you like. Let me know how that goes for you. Um... I suspect that you can probably make this 
with, you know, almond butter, cashew butter, whatever other sort of butters you've got. I always did it with Jif, classic, you know, peanut butter. You you do you. Um, I'll also say I've never done it with crunchy. I feel like that might go well. I've just never never done it. Uh, but you get yourself a cup of peanut butter. Uh, and then the next item uh, that we're looking for is a cup of Cairo corn syrup. Um, the the clear stuff, the white stuff, not not the brown. And we're not talking table syrup. We're not talking maple syrup. We're talking pure, unadulterated, high fructose corn syrup. Cairo makes it. It's 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 fantastic for this purpose. Um, growing up, we had that for a lot of reasons. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you what any of the quote-unquote legitimate reasons to have K-Row corn syrup in the house are, uh, but we regularly did. Um, I've put it on pancakes, and it's fine. Um, you know, it is pure high fructose corn syrup, so it, it's exactly what you think. Uh, and I can feel through time and space over the airwaves, and though I'm recording this now and you will hear it eventually, I can feel you cringing uh, with the inclusion of a cup of pure corn syrup. Uh, but trust me, it, it's good stuff. Um, so you take a cup of peanut butter, a cup of corn syrup. Those are, those are your, um, I guess, your, your wet components. Um, and then there are two dry components. Um, one is, uh, powdered sugar, um, and you see where this is going, uh, and why I call them sugar shockers. Uh, a cup and a quarter of powdered sugar, um, just standard, you know, confectioner's powdered sugar, just like you, you know, used to powdered sugar anything. Uh, cup and a quarter of that, and then a cup and a quarter of powdered milk, um, Again, grow, growing up, uh, that was a thing we tended to have in the house. Um, when uh, when you grow up uh, in, let's say, um, a situation that is less than hampered by an abundance of funds, uh, that that's something that, that makes its way onto the menu. Um, I can't remember if we got it free through the WIC program or if it was just cheap. Or, or what that was, but it was a thing we regularly had. Um, I can remember quite a while, quite a bit of times as a young person, um, it being sort of mixed uh, with milk. Like you'd make up the powdered milk with water like you would, and then I think they used like 50-50 it with regular milk, so it wasn't quite as, you know, fake milk. Uh, sort of thin the mix, make you know, stretch the milk, make it go longer. Um, so it's the thing that, you know, I'm accustomed to having in the house as a young person. Again, I can't remember the last time I actually bought the stuff, uh, but I know it still exists. For some of you, this may be a, you know, special purchase for this purpose, in which case a box of it will last you forever, um, especially if you're only using it a quarter, uh, a, a cup and a quarter at a time uh, for sugar shockers. Um, and I'm reasonably certain that it's a cup and a quarter of the dry ingredients and just a cup of the others, I may have that backwards. Again, it's been a while since I've done this. If uh, you find that you follow that instruction and it's a little dry, throw in an extra, you know, half cup of peanut butter and Cairo, and that'll, you know, shift it the other way. I know the math on that is not precise, but it's close enough. 
Cooking is, is not a science, it's an art, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and basically, you just take yourself a big old mixing bowl, and you just throw all four of those things in there, um, and you mix them. Um, and when I say you mix them, I mean that very literally. Um, you do not want to try your 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 mixer for that. Um, the stuff gets pretty thick. It turns into sort of a taffy-like uh, sort of thing, and you will burn out the motor. Um if you're you're looking for what the kids call, you know, gains in the forearm department, I suppose you could use a hand mixer, um, although that'll probably gum up pretty quick, too. Um, again, not being a fancy type, I never had one of the old, uh, you know, KitchenAid industrial mixer things. I guess maybe if you had that in, like, the dough blade, that could work. Um, what I've done is just you wash your hands real good and solid, and you just get in there with your mitts and, and knead that stuff all good and together. Um so, um, and you just work it until it's a consistent, um, you know, texture, color, etc. Um, like I said, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, you know, kind of fudgy, taffy-like sort of consistency when you're all said and done. Um, it will stick to your hand like crazy. Uh, realize that, you know, about 50% of this thing is, you know, corn syrup and sugar, so it's going to stick. Um, strangely though, it will, there will also be, you know, it'll also gloss over with oils from the, the peanut butter. It's a very, very, uh, very fun textural experience. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll, you'll just need all that up. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take that and you're going to, you know, form into, you know, little, little balls, basically. Um, Golf ball size is probably too big. Um, I mean, I love the hell out of it. I eat entirely too much sugar. Um, but for your average human, um, I'm just going to tell you, if you're making them golf ball size, it's too big. I'm trying to think of what a good comparable, you know, next size down would be. Um, you know the big gumballs you get out of the uh, the little quarter vending machines at the the entrance to the grocery store? Not the little gumballs, not not the itty bitty things. That's too small. But like the next size up, um, maybe like that, um, about a quarter. Like if you took a quarter that in diameter, except as a sphere, that's about what you're after. Um, and you're gonna throw those on a cookie sheet. Um, and space them out so they don't touch. And, again, because this is room temperature, they're not going to, like, stay as spheres, most likely. They're going to kind of, you know, sort of out. <laughs> that's the technical term. Um, and, you know, flatten a little bit, but that's fine. Um, and you're going to load up your cookie sheet with, with as many of those as you can fit without them touching. And then you're going to throw that sucker into the freezer. You can do the fridge. I, I, I tend to go for the freezer. Um, I guess it kind of depends on, you know, who you are and what you're into. I'm one of those people that, you know, will, will eat a Reese's peanut butter cup regardless of circumstance. But given the option, I will always opt to throw it in the freezer first, let it get good and cold and, and, and solid, and then consume the peanut butter. If you're one of those people, throw it in the freezer. If you're not the fridge will probably work. Uh, the point is you need the cold to kind of firm things up, otherwise it's just going to be a gooey mess. Um, 
Optionally, in case that just isn't enough sugar for you, you can sprinkle powdered sugar on top of them. Gives them a nice little festive look. Um, you can't tell. It, you know, it, it's basically a ball of peanut-flavored sugar as it is. That extra powdered sugar is not really sweetening it much. Um, from a flavor standpoint, it, you know, it's one of those things. Is it really doing you any more harm than the base components? No. Is it really helping you? Is it any healthier to leave it off? Probably not. So do what you like. Um, but you let them firm up, and then you just eat them. Um, you know, in my case, by the fistful. Um, and, you know, sooner or later, you will, you know, go into a, you know, sugar coma. Um, and when you awaken, if there are any left, you can eat them some more until they're gone. Um, and, you know, given that you've bought a whole box of powdered milk that you're probably not going to use for anything else, uh, and a whole bottle of Karo syrup that you're not going to use for anything else, um, and you probably haven't cashed out the, 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 the jar of peanut butter if you bought a decent-sized jar of peanut butter. Um, you may need to resupply on powdered sugar, but otherwise you can make up another batch. Uh, lather, rinse, repeat until you're diabetic. Um, that's pretty much how the recipe ends, uh, at least in my case. Um, for those of you not into that level of self-damage, um, you know, th this makes for excellent gifts, uh, particularly if, you know, you have um, nieces or nephews that you want to supercharge, and then you can go home and leave them with their, their parents so that they'll hate you uh, later in life. Um, that's an option. Um, it's, it's, you know, if uh, you, you are a parent in a uh, non-custodial divorce situation, uh, this could be used to your advantage there. Um, you know, or you can just, you know, eat, eat in moderation and enjoy them. Um, whatever you'd like. Uh, I'm, I'm just here to tell you how to make them. I'm not going to tell you how to eat them. Uh, so that was recipe number one, sugar shockers. Um, thank me later. Um, good stuff. Uh, the second recipe uh, that I will get into uh, is a savory treat. Um, and I, I've mentioned it on the cast before, and it's shepherd's pie. Um, which is, the way I make it, neither a pie nor anything shepherd, lamb, or sheep-based. Um, it's, it's based on a, um, I guess it's more of a casserole than anything, um, that was made for me, I, I want to say my first encounter with, uh, shepherd's pie as I know it and I make it, uh, would have been uh, from Kenny's mom, Sherry, when I lived with them in Florida. Um, and it kind of stuck with me, and it's it's super tasty, and it's also pretty pretty easy to put together. Um, and I, you know, will we'll now share that with you. Um, the way that I make it nowadays is slightly different than the way I used to. Um, chiefly because one of the key components here is ground beef, um, which uh, living with three vegetarians is, can become problematic. <laughs> um, but essentially, you can still achieve similar uh, results uh, with, with the various, you know, fake meat products. Um, corn makes a, I'm told, very effective uh, substitute for ground beef. Um, 
there's these little, you know, grounds that are apparently made from, from some sort of mushroom uh, substance. They look like ground beef after you've cooked them. Uh, they cook, you know, the, the, the cooking qualities of them um, is very similar to ground beef. Like, you can, you know, brown it up in a skillet and, and do things like that. So it all works. Uh, so what I typically do is make two of these. I do up a, 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 a batch with ground beef and then a batch with the, uh, the fake stuff, uh, and everyone's happy. Um, the recipe I'm going to give you is essentially for just the one half, the meat half, but basically just do this again with fake meat and you, you can do, do the vegetarian uh, option. So you take yourself a, a pound of ground beef, um, whatever you prefer. Um, you know, some folks go for the super lean stuff. Some folks go for, you know, whatever's cheapest per pound. Whatever suits you. Uh, I will tell you from experience, um, there was one time I got, um, it was like ground beef that was designed for, like, stew or chili. It's like the the individual strands were bigger in diameter, and I think it was made from, like, not the most um, robust of the Angus cattle, let's say. Um, and I would recommend avoiding that. Um, you, but other than that, just, just whatever ground beef you, you, you might have uh, on hand that you purchased, uh, a pound of that. Um, you're going to throw that into a big old skillet. Um, and it kind of needs to be a big old skillet because, A, it's a whole pound of ground beef. And, B, eventually you're going to have some fluids and whatnot in there with it, and you need to give it enough room to, to rock with. Um, put the ground beef in there. Get that browned up. Um, normally, while I'm, you know, browning up the, the ground beef, uh, I normally throw in some seasonings at this point, um, of which, you know, whatever it is that you, you, you feel would be tasty, uh, it's one of those sort of season-to-taste things, uh, I am a huge fan of Lowry's seasoned salt. Um, so generous portions of that in with the meat while it cooks. Uh, kind of helps get the flavor in there with the meat. Um, garlic salt is also good. Um, I've been known to throw onion powder in. Just a little something to give it a little, little, little extra, you know, savory thing, if you will. Um... Depending on what, you know, grade of beef you got, you know, you, you get some, some uh, you know, some, some oil, some um, some grease down in there, you're going to want to, you know, drain that off um, the typical way. Um, people have various methods of doing that, turkey-based or whatever. You want to get as much of that, that out of there as you can, so you, you've got just sort of the, the essence of the meat going there. Um what I used to do was use this as the basis for the gravy. Um, what I've done nowadays, uh, again, with the, the vegetarians in the mix, is I will take a can of uh, cream of mushroom soup. Um, and this does not go immediately in with the ground beef. You've got a saucepan off to the side. You put the can of cream of mushroom soup in there. Um, a can of hot water. Maybe a little more, depending on how much gravy you're wanting to make. Uh, but you throw that in there, you throw that on, like, medium. Um, I normally get some uh, some mushrooms and throw in there with it to give it a little extra. Because uh, you you don't want to just boil mushrooms in water because that's not really going to gravy up very well. You don't want to just make, you know, cream of mushroom soup either. 
that's why it's, it's the can of soup, it's the thing of water, and then a little bit more mushroom in there to kind of, one thins it out, one kind of brings the taste back up. It's a, it's a balancing act. Um, and you want to get that, get that all good and heated. That's going to be the, uh, the basis for your gravy. Um, once again, um, there, there's a whole seasoning element to that, um, that is largely going to vary on your taste and or, you know, the contents of your, your spice rack. Um, I tend to grab a little bit of just about any spice that seems like it might make sense. Um, so there's normally some parsley, some oregano, some sage, uh, a little bit of savory thrown in. Um, uh, um, I don't have them in front of me, so it's hard for me to rattle them all off. Uh, you know, avoid, you know, cinnamon or, you know, pumpkin pie spices, like, use your judgment, um, but, you know, what, little pinches, little dabs of spice, whatever you've got there, um, I'm not going to break out into, you know, the, the quarter teaspoon things, because I don't measure like that when I'm cooking, I grab what seems to be about right and toss that in there, um, But, uh, you know, you sort of throw that in there, get that going. Um, one of the things that is, to me, sort of key to the thing are bay leaves. Um, when I was living in Florida, I had the luxury of actually having a bay tree planted in my side yard. Instant access to very fresh bay leaves. Like, you literally go out, pluck it off the tree, toss, you know, give it a quick rinse, toss it in a pot, and you're golden. Uh, nowadays, I've got a can of the dried ones, whatever. Um... You want to throw that guy in there, not at the beginning. You want to throw that in there kind of near the end because it really gets in there. Uh, and the other thing I'll say is you want that leaf to be intact and you want to remove that before you add the gravy to anything. Um, if you ever want to, you know, have a good laugh slash um, make your child miserable, trick them into eating the leaf after it's been cooked into a thing. Um it is both cruel and hilarious. Um, my apologies to... I think I might have actually pulled that on both Lily and Ella at one point or another. Um, I can't remember, but don't actually do that. That's just me. Um, but you want to pull that leaf out before it's all said and done. Very important there. Um, again, there's normally a healthy dose of Lowry's, garlic salt or, or garlic powder, onion powder. You just want to get some good seasoning in there. Um, I will normally throw in a couple of dashes of soy sauce. Uh, it both adds to the flavor and kind of darkens up the, uh, the mix a bit. Uh, I also have been known to occasionally throw in a couple of splashes of, uh, Worcestershire sauce. However you choose to pronounce that word, I, I go with Worcestershire. I hear other people call it Worcester. Whatever you call that stuff. Um, Liam Perrins, you know what I'm talking about. Throw it in there. Um, and then occasionally I will use, um, a product whose name I, again, don't honestly remember. I just call it the Magic Gravy Potion. Uh, if you go to your grocery store and in where they have, like, the packets of, gra of gravy and the jars of gravy, um, it could be in the spice section, but it's a little potion bottle, uh, that's typically brown, um, and it's got, like, caramel color and some some, you know, flavorings in it that you add to gravy to darken and thicken your gravy. Uh, just a smidgen on that, because it, a little bit of that goes a long way. 
Uh, you throw that in there, you, you stir it all up real good, you get it get it going good and solid. Um, in the instance where you may have inadvertently put too much water and it's too runny, um, what you do is you take your tap and you turn that bad boy on full crank hot water and let that run so it gets good and hot. Uh, you're going to take yourself a coffee cup, or mug is the proper word there, uh, and you're going to throw about a teaspoon or so's worth of cornstarch in there, um, and then you're going to grab a fork. And what you're going to do is violently start start whisking the, the cornstarch with the fork, even before you get any fluid in there, because you've you got to keep this motion going. So you're going to, like, pre-whip, even though it's just a powder. While you're doing that, you're going to tuck it under the hot water um, just enough to get, get everything wet and fluidy, and you're going to just keep cranking on it. If you don't keep cranking on it, it'll clump up and it ruins the whole effect. What you want to do is you want to get a good, good well-distributed cornstarch water situation going. Um, and then while your main gravy is kind of at a low boil you immediately dump that into it and then stir the gravy to get it all worked through there, and that will thicken it up real nice for you. Um, so while you've got all that going and you've got your, your, your ground beef, you know, browned um, and all the, all the grease out of it, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take some of that um, gravy um, and put that in with the meat. Um, Enough so that it all gets in there and covers everything. Uh, you don't want it to be a soupy mess, but you don't want it to just be, you know, damp, roast uh, ground beef. You want a, a good good mix there. Uh, and kind of stir that around. Um, that's going to, you know, get the mushroom gravy into the meat and the meat into the gravy um, and sort of blend all of those uh, flavors together. Um, put that on like a simmer. If, if it's still a little, little, little thin at this point, you can kind of cook it down. Um, if it's a little thick, you just want to get it in there long enough to get everything all blended together and then cut the heat. Um, and that is sort of core component number one. Um, and you're going to put that in, um, a dish of some sort that is, that is oven capable. <laughs> this is a weird way to say that, but, you know, you could put it in a pie pan if you're going for, you know, um, literal pie in the shepherd's pie. Uh, what we've got are a couple of Pyrex, like, uh, bread loaf pans. Um, and just put that in the, in the bottom there, um, probably about halfway-ish. Um, and then what you're going to need for key component number two are vegetables. Um, and you can, whatever vegetables you think sound good in the thing, you do that up. Um... For the ladies, I typically just grab, a, like, a bag of frozen mixed vegetables and cook those up in the microwave, um, and then you throw those down as a layer. Um, I am a big fan of succotash, so I've, on numerous occasions, done up a thing of frozen corn, done up a thing of, of frozen uh, lima beans, mixed those up, thrown those down as a layer. Um, peas and carrots go pretty well, uh, but really any kind of vegetable you want to do. Um, like I said, for ease of use, I normally grab the, the the bags of frozen that you can steam in the bag in the microwave. You toss that in the microwave while you're cooking the other stuff. Um, 
and I believe I misspoke uh, when I said to throw the meat in the dish first. I normally throw the veggies down as layer one and then throw the meat and gravy as layer two. That way the gravy kind of works its way down through the meat and into the vegetables. Um, so once you've done that, you've got basically two-thirds of the thing ready. And keep in mind, all of this is already cooked. Like, this will eventually go into the oven, but that's more for effect than actual need to cook the thing. You've already cooked the veggies, you've cooked the meat, you've cooked the gravy. It's all done. Um, layer three is mashed potatoes. And again, for e for simplicity's sake, I just use, you know, the... Uh, the uh, instant kind, you know, the powdered deals. Uh, get a pouch of those where it's like, boil water. When the water's boiling, turn off the heat, throw in this, this powder, mix it up, boom, you've got potatoes. Um, that's the route I go. Um, quite often I will get the ones that are like the garlic mashed potatoes because that's, that's kind of fun. Um, but once you've got your potatoes made, you basically throw that on top, and that sort of forms like your crust of the pie. Um and I basically put that in there to top off the whole, you know, the whole thing. Like, that's the final, like, third of the, the pan for me, is, is put that stuff on there. Um, and then the final touches um, is cheese. You take some shredded cheese of your choice. I, I'm a big fan of cheddar for this purpose. Uh, but whatever, whatever suits you, uh, you can do that, and you just... I'm going to say sprinkle that on top, but what I normally do is is more of a um, thick layer on top. <laughs> However your feelings are towards cheese, act appropriately. Um, but you want to throw that on top there. Um, and again, at this stage, everything in that dead bad boy has been cooked with the exception of the cheese. So what I then do is I turn on the oven, typically on broil, and you set this bad boy in the oven, the flame above it, because all the actual, the, the most of it's already you know, not only cooked, but probably still pretty warm, hot at this point, uh, you boil that cheese on until it melts down and gets, gets like a golden brown, um, and then you take it out of the oven, because with the broiler, if you leave that too long, that cheese will scorch and you'll ruin the thing and everyone will hate you and that's no fun. Uh, so be, you know, pay attention when you're doing this piece. Uh, but get, get, let the cheese get all kind of, you know, good and, and, and tasty, uh, golden brown and kind of, it's just a little bit crusty almost. Um, and then get that bad boy out of the oven, um, cause A, you don't want to overdo the cheese and B, you probably want to let the thing cool a bit. Uh, the other thing I've learned, um, and the advantage to broiling it like that is that it cooks the cheese without overcooking the rest of it, um, when I first started doing this, I'd just throw it in the oven, in normal oven mode. Um, and there you run the risk of actually, especially if you've got a lot of gravy in there, uh, the gravy kind of gets to boiling and it will, like, erupt up through the potato layer. And, um, it'll make it look less pleasant, uh, but it'll also spill out all over your your oven and then it will burn, and it'll be gross, and it's no fun to try and, you know, scrape um, super-crusted gravy out of the inside of your oven. Um, so the, 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 the broiling the cheese works well. Um, you take it out of the oven, you let it cool for a bit, you slice it up, you dish it out, it all kind of goes together. Um, I guess if 
you are um, one of the folks who doesn't like their food to touch. I am not a person like this, but I, I, I know several family members and such that, you know, when they put food on a plate, they very clean lines of, you know, this is the potatoes, these are the vegetables, this is the main course, none of these things should touch each other. Um, you're probably going to have a hard time with shepherd's pie because it is literally all in together. Um, but if you can get past that, it is super delightful. Um, uh, and that is the, the, the recipe, uh, of the moment. Um, I, I encourage you to give that a whirl. Um, if you have questions, concerns, by all means, let me know. Um, but I have managed to, uh, talk about shepherd's pie and sugar shockers for the entire duration of my trip home. And I'm about to, uh, pull into the condo plex. Um, so once I do so and I'm at a safe place to hit stop, I think we're going to call this, this bad boy good. Um, thank you all for joining me today. Uh, I hope, uh, this was, uh, informative and fun for you. Um, if you decide to give either of these, uh, these recipes a whirl, um, let me know how they worked out for you. Um, I'm, I'm keen to hear, uh, how things went for you. Um, Please do not send me samples in the mail, um, as that would be awkward and weird. Uh, but do, you know, send pictures or, or, you know, let me know how it worked out for you. Or, you know, if you tried it and you think it's disgusting and I'm a sick, sick person, you can tell me that too. I, I got a pretty thick skin. I can take it. Um, but uh, once again, thank you for joining me. Um, tell your friends. Um, everybody be cool. Um, and until next time, uh, have a good one. And that's it.